Hi, Sandy Rios here with you on Sandy Rios 24-7. We're going to do something fun today. We we rarely do something fun, but we're going to do it today. Um, it's your email and your comments. Now, some of your email will bring us into serious topics, so I don't mean I don't mean that, but we won't be covering the news like we often do. Uh, and we are going to just kind of enjoy hearing what you have to say, reading it, and commenting on it. It's like our our chance to be together. So I hope that you'll uh, you'll stay tuned for that. I want oh you know I should tell you <laughs> if you would like to call us, you can call us at six six two eight two one two zero four zero. That's six six two eight two one two zero four zero. If you'd like to email us. You can do that at sandy at afr.net, sandy at afr.net. And our Facebook page now is waking up. It's yawning, stretching, and we're beginning to hear from you. We're going to share some of those comments today, too. If you want to go on Facebook, uh, I'm hoping what will happen is as we start posting articles and stuff that we're talking about, that you will interact with each other on that. Uh, It's just a real good way to have a conversation with uh, people that are some are like-minded and some aren't, but most are. Um, I kind of wish we had more opposition, to be honest with you. So if some of you are out there, the critics who give us one star, you know, on the ratings because, you know, I'm conservative, well, come join us on Facebook and tell us why you feel that way. We'll interact with you. So that's Sandy Rios 24-7 on Facebook. Um, I want to tell you that we, uh, you, many of you probably know that uh, my son and his wife and four children live in Vancouver, British Columbia, and we are getting ready to go up there and see them um, just in a in a short bit here, and so we're looking forward to that. And it reminded me of a couple of uh, couple of stories that I have in hand. I have two grandsons, so this could be one of them. This could be Asa. My young grandson called the other day to wish me happy birthday. He asked me how old I was, and I told him sixty two. My grandson was quiet for a minute, and then he asked, Did you start at one? Here's another one. After putting her grandchildren to bed, which I've done many, many times, a grandmother changed into old slacks and a droopy blouse and proceeded to wash her hair. As she heard the children getting more and more rambunctious, her patience grew thin. Finally, she threw a towel around her head and stormed into their room, putting them back to bed with stern warnings. As she left the room, she heard the three-year-old say with a trembling voice, Who was that? And that reminds me of an actual story with my grandson Moses when he was little. I, I, I was like that grandmother. I had old slacks and a droopy blouse <laughs> and my hair back in a ponytail with no makeup. That's kind of the way I would hang out with them. Uh, but one day I washed my hair. I had rolled it. I had put on makeup. And my young grandson Moses, who was about three, came to the breakfast table and said, Oh, Grandma, you look handsome. <laughs> so anyway, so I'm in the grandmother mood today, but we're going to talk about serious stuff with you. But this is what we're going to do today. We're going to interact with you who have sent us email and other comments on Facebook and respond to them. And Bruce is going to join me right up front so we can talk about them all. So I hope that you will enjoy it. So when I think about my grandchildren, or my children for that matter, I think of the preciousness of their lives. I think of them as little babies in my arms, and uh, I just think of all kinds of things. I uh, And I bet you do too. Most of us just melt when we see babies, and that's why I am so keen on helping preborn stop abortion. Uh, and the way they do that is they provide ultrasounds for moms who are unsure about whether they can keep their babies. 
And all you have to do, by the way, is go to preborn.com slash Sandy, preborn.com slash Sandy. And what you're doing is when you make a donation, you're providing an ultrasound for a confused mom who's not sure if she wants to keep her baby. Think about all the grandchildren that never got born. You know, some some women don't even know they have grandchildren or, or men don't know they have grandchildren. Just think of the sadness of that. Uh, so on all levels, we want to stop that. And I want to also mention, we have a listener, and she was a listener to the morning show and just gave some wonderful interactions. Her name is Anne. I'll just say her name is Anne. And she has given a very generous donation to Preborn uh, in my name, which is pretty amazing. I didn't or not in my name, but in honor, it says, of Sandy Rios. That's pre- and that's just incredible. I never saw that coming, but thank you for that. And um, I'm not in- <laughs> the rest of you don't have to feel compelled to do that, but it's just I wanted to give Anne a shout-out because I think that's pretty special. So, all right, if you'd like to give to Preborn, you can do it at preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. Now sit back and relax and enjoy this edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice, not social justice, but God's justice, what's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association, a pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. All right, Sandy Rios with you on Sandy Rios 24-7, along with my husband, Bruce, former FBI agent, former prosecutor for Cook County. Uh, hi, sweetheart. Good morning. Good morning. Well, you know, I started the show by uh, giving a couple of scenarios of grandchildren. Uh, you are the best grandpa in the world, and I've got one for you, okay? Yeah, <laughs> okay. We've got four grandkids. Uh, Moses, 14, Katie, 11, Asa, 10? Is he 10? Nine. Nine, thank you. And Lucy's just turning... Six. Oh, I can't. I don't want that to happen. That's got to stop. But uh, we we have had similar questions. So I want to read this one to you. Okay. My grandson was visiting one day when he asked, Grandpa, do you know how you and God are alike? I mentally polished my halo and said, No, how are we alike? You're both old, he replied. (laughs) Yes, sir. Our grandchildren love to remind us that we're old, especially the youngest, Lucy. Lucy, yeah. I mean, it's amazing. She'll just look at us and go, you're old. Yeah, I don't know why that, I don't know why the fixation, but uh, yeah, but they do uh, say things like that. Well, honey, it's fun, isn't it, to hear back from people? Yeah, it's great. Um, You know, when you sit in the studio, you forget sometimes to, to Put the, to put faces to the people that are listening and to get email and things like this, it really brings it home. Yeah, I have, I've always said, you know, when I did uh, uh, live radio, live radio, <laughs> I did radio in a studio, a radio studio that I would drive to every day in Chicago. Uh, we had a lot of community events, so we go out. Among, you were with me on some of those, like the bowling night. Remember oh, the yeah. bowling night? You, oh, yeah. <laughs> you had just... 
Sandy had just had her, both of her hips replaced, and we're having bowling night for her um, station. And the grand prize was to win three uh, frames of bowling, only this person and Sandy. And so everyone that's there, like over 100 people, stopped bowling, and we watched Sandy and the winner bowl Oh, oh they had themselves. a spotlight. <laughs> they didn't even tell me they were going to do that, so I could hardly bend, much less... Swing a bowling ball, but but nevertheless, <laughs> we got out in the community. I throw the pitch out at ball games and all kinds of stuff, and I got to see people. I sang for the Chicago Bears, and uh, you know we would you know get I'd see people. It was yeah, wonderful. that was that was almost a deal breaker for me being a Green Bay Packer national fan. anthem yes. for the Chicago Bears. <laughs> well, I'm glad you actually you didn't know me then, so I'm glad. But um. Yeah, it's it's just so nice to get out. When we do that, of course, when we travel and we meet you personally, it's a great treat. So now let's get to, we've had a lot of email and some of them are, we have some that are challenges and I love that actually. Uh, So we're going to get to those too, but we have some, all kinds. I've given, Bruce has some and I have some, so we're going to kind of uh, ping pong back and forth. So what have you got there, honey? Oh, this is from Pete. And Pete was a, a listener of your morning show and now the podcast. So he says, hey, Sandy. I just turned on your podcast for the first time. I'm so sorry to say it has taken me so long. I listen to you virtually every morning on your morning show for years and called in on many occasions. It is so good to hear your voice again. Thank you for your amazingly inspiring shows. You are the gift that you have bestowed on the precious few, a national treasure. Thank you, and may God bless you in Christ and liberty. Pete. Wow. Wow, that's beautiful, Pete. And uh, thank you for tuning in. I know it's hard to move from a live radio show to a podcast, and that's why I say every day, uh, I think the easiest way to do that now, um, this is just what I recommend, but if you have your own way to do it, don't change it. But sandyrios.com is a real simple way to get to the podcast. And so I would recommend that, especially if you're going to tell other people about how to listen. Okay, what else you got there? Well, from Lee in Fairhope, Alabama. Sandy, seven years ago, I began listening to you in the mornings as I drove to work. I was a teacher at an independent school at that time. Your knowledge, along with your uncompromising approach to presenting the news, was refreshing, and I listened. It goes without saying that your faith is the mantle of your strength. Thank you for your tireless work. I tell others how spot-on you are when, with your reporting. Although the direction our country seems to be heading is heartbreaking, I am not surprised. You warned and reported on all we see before us. China, the pandemic, LGBT agendas, elections. I knew the history behind BLM before anyone else because of your informative program. The podcast format is great and easy to access. Please continue what you are doing. The need for true and clear voices is desperate. Blessings to you and your family, Lee. Oh, that's beautiful, Lee. Thank you. So, so kind. I've got some here that have some questions, Bruce. Let me, uh, this is from Sharon. She uh, is asking about Canada, since we're getting ready to go back there. I guess we could say a few words about that. But she said, how are the true believers in Canada, especially the prairie provinces, coping or surviving all the mandates that came down during COVID? Um well, Sharon, I guess I don't have a definitive answer on, uh, you've asked me, I don't know, in the provinces, I don't know. We are actually going to interview the the girl that was uh, one of the leaders of the trucker movement. Her name is Tara something, and she's going to be joining us 
uh, in the next couple of weeks uh, to talk about what that was like, and we can ask her what the aftermath is, lo- aftermath is like. I have to say that Canada is clamping down on religious freedom left and right. Um, Artur Pawlowski is uh, facing 10 years in prison uh, for preaching at that trucker rally. Uh, we're going to be talking about that uh, in another podcast also, but I, it, it's, uh, it's a very dangerous time to be a, an all-out strong believer in Canada because the laws are not friendly. Pastors have to watch what they say. Uh, or, and if they do watch what they say, they stay out of prison, but then what kind of pastoring is that, you know? So Arthur is paying a huge price, but he's not going down lightly. And his son actually, uh, a couple of weeks ago, appeared in front of the European uh, Parliament and uh, pleaded for their help with the, his fa- father, and the and the father then appeared via video, and they got a standing ovation from the European Parliament. I couldn't believe it. So um, that doesn't answer your question directly, but I hope that just kind of gives you some information you might not have had, and that's from Sharon. Thank you, Sharon. And then um, this is from Sh- Charlotte, and she says... Uh, well, she heard me on the awakening. I was been, I've been filling in for Bishop Jackson, who stepped away to uh, be, run for president. So I haven't even said about talked about that on the podcast. I get confused. But Bishop Jackson, uh, E.W. Jackson, has been a host on AFR Talk for several years. He has the noon spot, uh, and he is just dynamite. Graduate of Harvard Law, a former Marine, and a bunch of other things. Uh, no scripture, sold out a Christian, and is just dynamite. And so he is going now to run for president. I don't think he probably fancies he can win that, uh, but I know that he wants to be on that debate stage, and that's what I want for him too. So just telling you, uh, that's why I was uh, posting on The Awakening. Now let me get to her question. She says, when I started hearing all the news about gender around 2022, a book that I read many, many years ago kept coming back to mind. The book is Captivating by John and Stacy Eldridge. And I have not read it. She asks if I have. I haven't. It was very popular when it came out. Uh, one of the themes of the book is that although Satan hates all people, he has a particular hatred for women. Um, and she said, this is evidenced by the exploitation of women throughout history. I wondered what the authors of that book would say about all that is happening in our country now. I thought maybe they should publish a reprise. Um, Charlotte, I think I, I would love to read that book. I, I think I would probably, as I you know, scroll through my brain about what we see in Scripture about whether God has uh, a God, whether Satan has a um, particular hatred for women, I think I might not agree. I don't, I don't see that in Scripture uh, I, I think the biblical foundation is that uh, Satan wants to destroy everyone, uh, man, male, female, age, children, old people, uh, er, everyone. He is uh, the master of destruction. That's his goal is to destroy. You know, you think about right now, you talk about the sexual exploitation of women. Well, there's the exploitation of little boys. At the same time, they're being trafficked and sexualized just like girls are. And I think of the ravages of guns, uh, of um, yeah, guns too. But the ravages of drugs, fentanyl coming over the border—that that, that that's not about any gender. I just um, remember that Jesus Himself was a man. No one was more hated by Satan than Jesus Himself, and Jesus was a man. So, 
that right away says to me that I don't, I just don't see that in Scripture. I just want to make that uh, clear. Uh, so, of course, that's his, his physical body. We, uh, God is more uh, broad. He has male and female attributes, but he is referred to in Scripture as a man. So I think Satan kind of hates men, too. <laughs> All right, so that's the point of that. Uh, let's break it up here. Why don't you give me one? Well, you've heard Gordon Chang on, on Sandy's program many times, uh, expert on China, and uh, this is from Ted. He says, Sandy, you need to have this man on more meaning Gordon Chang. The American people need to understand just how dangerous China is. For those of us who follow China, we are very aware of its ability and what it will possibly do in the next few months to a few years. But for, the most of the, but for most of the American people who live their lives, go to work, come home, go to work, come home, sit, uh, eat their dinner, they have no idea how to be prepared or what to be prepared for. Thank you. And actually, his name is Fred, not Ted. Excuse me. Okay. Yeah. Well, Fred, let me just say, um, in regard to Gordon, Gordon, you know, is the watchman on the wall right now, and he's he does believe uh, we are imminently in danger of uh, war with China. He says that over and over again. He's beginning to plead for people to wake up and uh, and and uh, just be aware of this. Uh, I think he's right. I trust him. I've known Gordon for a very long time. Uh, and so, uh, I yeah. So we, I would. He's you. You see him on television all the time, <laughs> you know. So I don't like to ha- ask him very often because I I respect his time and I want his word to get out, his warnings to get out as broadly as possible. I would say this: um, Gordon is going through some personal challenges right now, and um, I just would ask all of you to pray for him. Um, it's, uh, it's, you know, I, so many of my friends who are on the front lines, this happens. You can imagine that Satan attacks, uh, in different ways, whether it's physical or people in our family, uh, those of us on the front lines, because that's a great way of shutting us up. So pray for Gordon, if you would, since you have such respect for him. I know all of you do. Okay, honey, you got another one there? Because I've got a, I've got so many, gosh. I do. Uh, from Ann in Starkville, Mississippi. Um, you remember we had General Patton's grandson on. We I ran do, into him at the D-Day Memorial uh, the day before D-Day and got to interview him. So uh, Ann writes, Dear Sandy, I appreciate your podcast. As I listened this morning to your interview of General Patton's grandson, I recalled reading what I thought was... Patton's autobiography in the early 60s. However, according to the Library of Congress, he did not write an autobiography, but there is a book entitled War As I Knew It, published in 1947. And she says, apparently this was taken from his memoirs, and it definitely was written in his voice. I assume she means his salty, rough language. I think you would enjoy reading it. I vividly remember D-Day 1944. I was eight years old. My father, who was too old and had too many children to serve in the military, worked for the CAA, which is now the FAA, at the Knoxville airport. My mother apparently admired General Patton because she kept a scrapbook of articles she clipped from the Knoxville newspapers. Unfortunately, the scrapbook was lost in one of our many moves after Dad returned in 1945. And then... After that, her dad moved to Huntsville, Alabama, where he worked for NASA until he retired. And, of course, NASA in Huntsville is very dear to me because 
that was my first assignment as an FBI agent, and I was assigned to work with NASA and did some really interesting cases with them with their inspector generals. So yeah, that I'm, one hit that one hit home with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going to tell on you. <laughs> it meant so much to you that he was uh, he saw a cute girl, a couple cute girls, and he told them that he was a, a scientist with NASA. <laughs> <laughs> And it came back to bite you, didn't it? Yes, it did. It, uh, I was out with a fellow agent, and we were, and we saw these. <laughs> we were talking to these girls, and they said, "Well, what do you do?" And we said, "Oh, we're we're scientists with NASA." <laughs> and uh, so the next day, I go to work at the FBI office, and one of the agents goes, uh, "Hey, I heard you got a new job." And I said, "What are you talking about?" He goes, "I hear you're working for NASA now." <laughs> and I looked at him like I thought, "Wow." They really do have bugs on us. They're listening to us all the time. Well, what, it ha- what happened is one of the girls we were speaking to was this guy's daughter, and she couldn't wait to tell him so that he could bust me at work the next day. You didn't know it was his daughter. No, yeah, yeah. I had no idea. See, I she kept good. it quiet. And just, she, they, anyway. Pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, now, he's a changed man now. He's not only married, but he would never... Tell someone like that in a story like that, right, dear? Well, I don't think they. Be, I don't think they ever really believed us. But. <laughs> oh, you know what? I should say on a practical note. Um, remember that with podcasts, you can go back and listen. You know, you can go back and look it up, and you can hear that interview with Pat and Son. That was really fun. We enjoyed that so very much. This is from Brenda. She says, "I really enjoy your program and trust what you say," which. I just have to, I have to interject. I take that very seriously, Brenda. So I try to be really careful because I know people trust me. And honestly, the reason you trust me is because I think that, uh, you know, I'm real fervent about hearing God's voice. So that's a real honor. So thank you. She said, I've heard several times uh, that one of our former first ladies is actually a man and her husband is actually gay. She says, I'm wondering if there's any truth to it. Well, of course, I'm going to address this as, as salty as it is because I've, I hear this from people. Seriously, they will ask me about this, and I think it needs to be addressed. I know you're talking about uh, Michelle Obama and Barack Obama. First of all, I don't think uh, there's any way that Michelle Obama is a, really a man. <laughs> I just don't think that's true at all. Uh, the issue about whether Obama is gay, um, I'll just tell you what I do know. Because I'm from Chicago, and when Barack Obama ran for Senate there, I was working on Alan Key's campaign. They were running against each other in that state. And I learned more about Obama than most people probably will ever know because much of it's buried. Uh, But there are – I know that he frequented uh, bathhouses, which were gay. I know that at his church with Jeremiah Wright – uh, Jeremiah Wright had a, a what they called the Down Low Club, and the Down Low Club was a club for gay men. Uh, and the, the Jeremiah Wright would arrange for straight women to marry these gay men to give them a cover. I don't know if Obama was, there are rumors that he was one of those, but I'm just telling you what I know. Uh, their, in fact, their organ, their choir leader, organist, was flamingly gay and actually uh, was killed. Kind of an interesting story. That doesn't mean anything, but I'm just telling you. We, we had a, also uh, a French, I had a French hairdresser when I was in D.C., and I had just seen a, a press conference uh, from a gay man who stood, he had guards with him, uh, and he claimed that he had had an encounter of the worst kind with Barack Obama in a limousine, 
and doing drugs and the rest of it. And he went into great detail, and he said, I'm afraid for my life. Uh, So I want to say this. I want to get this out so that people will know. So later, when uh, Bruce was in D.C., actually, uh, he went to my friend, the French hairdresser, and she told him a man had just come in to the the, uh, salon, uh, and he was had a bunch of bodyguards, and he, as she did her, his hair, he told her the same story and said he was afraid for his life. So I don't know if he is or not, but those are the things I know. There are many other things that have been said. Uh, I've seen photos of a supposed lover when he was young and in Hawaii. So I don't. Uh, I've seen photos of them together. Uh, so I don't know, but I'm telling you that's what I do know. Um, and uh, yeah. I don't know if that helps or hurts, and what difference does it make at this point, right? Okay, so um, then this is from, speaking on the same theme here, uh, she said she heard Tammy Bruce at Fox and Friends, and she said uh, uh, she said that Tammy came out as being gay on that show. She said, oh, do I know anything about that? Well, Tammy's been out about that for years. I know Tammy. I had some time in D.C. interviewing her and some private moments with her talking about this. Uh, and I think uh, it's, uh, yeah, I guess I can't say too much about that. But it's, it's publicly known that Tammy is, uh, is a lesbian. Uh, but I would just say pray for Tammy. When, you, when her name comes to your mind, just pray for her. Then she asked me about Shannon Bream. Uh, what do you think of her? Some She doesn't seem like the real deal. Well, Shannon is a committed, committed, committed Christian. She is uh, known at Fox for leading Bible studies of some of the young women staffers. Uh, she is the real deal in terms of her faith. You're probably puzzled because she's taken on kind of a middle ground or neutral ground in her interviews. Well, that's what news people do. I couldn't do it, but she is doing that. Uh, but that doesn't mean she's not the real deal. Okay, so uh, so Gwen, I hope that answers your question. All right, now that I've covered all those uh, really controversial topics, you want to jump in here, honey? <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is from Allison, and she says, Hi, I miss you so much on AFR in the morning. I was grieving when you announced you were leaving. Your show was the highlight of my day. However, I am an avid listener of your new podcast. Your winsome voice and subject matter are a can't miss for me. I also love hearing from Bruce as well. Hey, Allison, your your check is in the mail. Um, (laughs) Thank you for all that both of you do to keep us informed of important issues. I just wanted to encourage you and Bruce. Love you both. Sincerely, Allison. Oh, so sweet. Well, uh, yeah, really sweet. You have been a great addition. People love you on this show, honey, which is fun because we could do something together. You've always, listen, Bruce is the reason I'm on the radio still. He would not let me quit. He'd say, no, you can't. I miss you on the radio. He would say that to me. I miss you on the radio. My own husband. I did. That was a high compliment. And so uh, it's his fault. And now it's fun to have him folded back in because we both love talk radio, right? Chicago's the place for that. I do. And uh, I'm not worthy of your show, but I enjoy being on it. I really do. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Hey, I've got one for you, sweetheart. All right. Okay. This, uh, you haven't read this, so this will be a surprise to you. This is from Tara. It's lengthy, so I'll try to, but I think it's important, so stay with me here. Her question is, is the FBI circumventing um, good people? Are they in the process circumventing good people from being hired? Our daughter graduated from Auburn University with high honors in software engineering. 
About six months before she graduated, she met a few FBI agents at the job fair. They initiated two follow-up interviews, and the final one was held in Montgomery, Alabama. Within four weeks, she was sent an offer of employment, pending her background checks and a lie detector test evaluation. Because she was wholly homeschooled, meaning W-H-O-L-L-Y, wholly homeschooled, they required her to submit names and addresses of neighbors and friends who could verify who she was from birth until her age, current age. If you attended public school, you only had to provide your residences during college. Her background checks completed with no issue. She was eager to complete the lie detector evaluations and start her career with the FBI. The agents she interviewed with all had been from the D.C. area, and all were relocated to Huntsville, explaining to her that headquarters was being established there. We lived in Huntsville for over 15 years, so she was excited. She failed her first detector exam. She was surprised at how challenging the interviewer was regarding her background. This child had never had alcohol outside a limoncello we offered her on a trip to Italy or smoked anything in her life. She's a straight arrow and has never, ever had a violation ticket. She was rattled. They scheduled another one. She almost passed that, but questioned. they questioned her on the violation ticket repeatedly. One night, after studying at the campus library until 1 a.m., she rolled through a stop sign and was pulled over. She was not issued a ticket, but she wasn't sure in her mind if that should be mentioned, though they said she could only answer yes or no. The tester told her he felt she passed, but it was up to his supervisor to clear it. Her supervisor did not clear it and scheduled a third test. Out of the seven to eight agents she met through the interview process and testing, she said only three were actively playing against her. The others were supportive and enthusiastic to have her on board. She passed the third test with no problem. Nerves were gone. She had a steely resolve to complete the process. She graduated May 7th. Final approval came May 15th. She waited for her start date. Six weeks later, after writing one or two times to ask when she would start because she needed to find housing, a representative called and explained that all of her submissions were complete and they were ready to move forward with the start date. In interviews, they said it could take take 6 to 12 weeks to complete submissions. This rep was curt and simply said, the one that called, and simply stated that she would have to wait a year to be placed. She explained that was not what she was told. The lady was rude and said that this is all they tell the candidates. Our daughter was greatly disappointed. Man's extremity, though, is God's opportunity. So God opened up a door for another opportunity within two weeks, and she was working by the third making 50% more than she was offered from the FBI. She worked for about four weeks and then received a call from one of the, the original agents uh, she had interviewed with at Auburn. He was excited to tell her her start date was August 1st, just two weeks away. She explained what she, to- what she was told and that she had no recourse but to, uh, to take the job. He was stunned and shocked and asked who gave her that information and emphasized that He had told her she would be working by July or August. She affirmed she shared that with the rep that uh, dismissed it. He said he would get back to her. The bottom line is they could not match the salary. And seeing how COVID rolled out in 2019, she was already suspicious of government agencies and felt God put her where he wanted for her work. The entire experience convinced us that there were directives by a faction of the agency that are discouraging conservative candidates. While we believe that 40 to 50% of the workforce at the FBI are conscientious and ethically centered, 
The majority of them are tainted by an agenda, ideology, or as was just mentioned on your show, ambition. I'm convinced it's primarily the first two at this juncture, and promotions will only happen if you follow their directives. All right, so I, um, I'm just going to stop there, but this is from Tara, and of course this is her daughter, and I, just, I know there's a lot of things to respond to, Bruce, so I'm just going to turn you loose. Well, I'm going to speak out of both sides of my mouth on this issue. Um, first off, in regards to the length of time it took to get hired, I can tell you it took me a series of attempts probably over a three- to five-year period to get hired, and the average hiring time is at least one year. So that part does jive. But I will tell you this, um, I think that there is an agenda at this point against people that are of a conservative view. Um, my, one of my last assignments with the FBI was as a polygraph examiner. And I was very involved in the, in the hiring of people because they have to pass the polygraph in order to get their security clearance. You don't pass the polygraph, you don't get hired. It's very, it's very bottom line. And I can tell you that a lot of people do not pass the polygraph exam. Sometimes it's for good reasons. Other times I'm not so sure that it isn't an issue like, like where this lady spoke about kind of being uncertain about that traffic ticket. If you're uncertain and the examiner doesn't resolve that issue in you before you take your exam, you're probably not going to pass. Um, I, I can tell you from a, from a uh, funny standpoint, the, I, I processed in through the Chicago FBI office and the lady who was our applicant coordinator was really hard. And she had a blackboard in her office, and she used to have everybody's name written on it in a ranking. They ranked you in order. And I would hear something from her, and then I wouldn't hear anything for like four or five months. And she told me, don't call me unless I call you first. <laughs> so I'm working a job. You know, I'm being a prosecutor. I'm trying to have a career. And then she would call me and say, you need a physical. And I would say, when would you like me to have it? And she would go, tomorrow. I go, tomorrow I have to go to work. Well, if you want this job, you'll be at that physical tomorrow. And I, I just envisioned her taking an eraser while she was talking to me and erasing my name from the board <laughs> because, like, this guy doesn't care enough about the job. So it, it was very stressful. And I do, I do um, feel for you. It's a very stressful um, process. I'm sorry we lost you. I still consider myself part of the FBI despite their warts, and I'm sorry we lost you. It sounds like you would have been a wonderful employee. Her daughter, yeah. So, all right, honey. Well, uh, we have a lot of great, uh, well, some really jewels here. I've got one guy who, um, I'm not sure if he likes me or not, but he's challenged me for years, and I'm going to read his challenge, his most recent challenge in a second, and Bruce has some more too, but I want to pause to say if you would like to join the fun here and send us an email, you can do that at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Or you can call us at 662-821-2040. That's 662-821-2040. You can go to our Facebook page, Winteract at Sandy Rios 24-7. And if you want to listen to the podcast or tell other people how to listen easily in a simple way, go to SandyRios.com. Uh, but, of course, uh, Preborn, by the way, has rescued now over 28,000 babies, and that's just in this year alone. And I, I wonder how many of those are from you. I have a feeling a lot. 
they tell me at Preborn that my audience is amazing, uh, are amazing givers and very generous. So I'm really proud of you for that. You know, right now, hundreds of thousands of mothers are awaiting the birth of their little babies, and thousands upon thousands of babies are taking their first breath. Your impact has reached eternity. Why? Because babies need our help. For just $28, you can introduce an at-risk baby to their moms. The cost of a dinner to save a life. You are empowering moms to choose life every single day. If you'd like to help, you haven't done it before, or you want to do it again, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. More stuff from you right after this. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios back with you. You wonder why we play a bumper like that. It's because it... It energizes me. That's the only reason I could play something slow and thoughtful, but uh, that energize I love that. So, hey, listen, thanks for joining us. I, I want to share with you, uh, through the years that I did the morning show, I had a friend named Josh, friend in quotes, uh, who listened all the time. He's a school teacher, uh, and he readily always uh, challenged me. Josh is not, I, I think it's fair to say he's not a believer in Christ, although, Josh, I hope that doesn't insult you because I don't, I don't think you've ever claimed to be that. But he certainly is not on the same page politically, in fact, not at all. So he now I've heard back from him, and I'm glad because I've sent him some private email before also. Uh, he says, Hi, Sandy. It must be hard when all of your idols fall down, namely Tucker Carlson, Trump, and Clarence Thomas. My hope is that the latest revelations about each of them, Carlson's wanton racism, Trump's sexual assault, Thomas's craven corruption, will allow you to step back from your blind worship of them and consider new perspectives instead, wishing you luck and open eyes in these troubled times. Well, it really is great to hear from you, Josh. You know, you haven't lost your touch, except you usually are kinder. I do notice that. You're kidding, aren't you, about my idols? (laughs) I think you're too smart to really think that I worship any man. It's only God for me, and you know that. The only true God, that's the one I worship. He is true north. He's the God of all truth. He's the only wise God. So I think you get that right. You're putting me on, right? You don't really think I have other idols that are men. Well, with that said, now, I do respect some people, uh, and I respect them a lot. Tucker's one of them. You know, I know because we've talked before that you see racism in rejecting, well, you see racism a little bit everywhere from my perspective. And I'll give you a challenge here. You saw racism racism in rejecting Obamacare because people didn't want to give up their private insurance and didn't trust what he was offering. You thought that was racism because he was black. Uh, You probably believe like, I don't know, I'm assuming this because now they're saying listening to Beethoven and other white classic composers makes us racist. But you know what? I grew up in the 60s and saw what real racism, racism looks like. It looked to me more like lynchings and water hoses and hateful names. I remember that. I saw it with my own eyes. So I'm not persuaded to your opinion on Tucker that he's a racist. I haven't seen him you know, with any water hoses lately. You know, and I respect Donald Trump for all the sacrifices that he's made to save this country. Uh, since he is a handsome billionaire known for his love of beautiful women— Common sense kind of tells me he doesn't have to sexually assault anyone. I'm just saying. Uh, you know, it's, it's a big business to accuse someone famous of sexual assault because you can make money. 
and I think many have. That doesn't mean he's behaved himself sexually. He obviously haven't. We know he hasn't. But I'm sorry. I don't see it that way. I do respect him for all of those sacrifices, how he's hurt his own business, how he's, his own family has suffered so much. I guess maybe you don't realize. I don't, you know, most all politicians go to Washington and get rich. He went to Washington and got diminished in terms of his businesses on purpose from the left. You probably like that. I don't. I don't think that's right. But um, if you're talking about that weird lady that accused him of assaulting her in the the dressing room, I mean, honestly, I think by now that was like she's accused him of like 30, 40 years ago uh, assaulting her in a dressing room in a public department store. I don't know if you've listened to her, Josh, but she's just outright crazy. And I have to say, as a woman and as other women I've seen, even on CNN, I saw a panel, and none of them believed her. So, sorry, that doesn't persuade me either. And as to Justice Thomas, I'm doubting that you know him and are just repeating what you're reading in the newspapers. They want to destroy him because he is so principled. Do Do you understand that? It's a target, you know, it's the, it's the uh, Sololinsky target and destroy. That's what they're doing with him. But I have to say, um, take it from someone who does know him. He's one of the finest men that I've ever met. One of the fine, most integrity, brilliant, fun. He's not a, a corrupt person, or we would have heard about it before this. Taking a vacation with a friend who's very wealthy and having him cover part of that is not... There's and uh, there's just no uh, nothing corrupt there. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but it's a nice try, Josh. And um, I hope to hear from you again. Okay, your turn, sweetheart. Okay, we have Claudia, and uh, she brought up um, some great points. I think about communism. So she says, "Dear Sandy, I love your interviews and thoughts on our world today. Thank you for being bold and sharing the truth God gave us. Please read these two books." I thought I understood the roots of our world today because I began reading Ayn Rand when I was 18 in 1963. She defected from communist Russia in 1925. But I found even deeper reasons in these two very informative books from 1934 and 1954. So she talks about a book, School of Darkness, and it's written by the the former head of the teachers' union in New York City. And this woman describes how she helped set up the kindergarten in New York City so that they could brainwash the kids and make them communists. She also references the Red Network by Elizabeth Dilling, and it talked about infiltration in America by communists. Now, uh, uh, Elizabeth Dilling was a Christian woman from Chicago, and she had visited Russia. And when she came back to the United States, she saw all the communist roots that were in our country. So um, she continues, I was born in 1945, right at the end of World War II. I have been studying communism since I was 18. Uh, These authors understood the horrors of communism and socialism since they were raised in communist Russia after watching their takeover. Um, And so this woman, after reading these communist books, she became an atheist, conservative, pro-American, free enterprise follower, and she was trying to warn people about communism. And then later, 20 years later, she became a Christian, and God had opened her eyes to the bigger picture. She said, I thought I understood the brainwashing in America began after World War II, 
but there, but it actually began much sooner. I hope you read these two books and can get the word out to others. Wow, I love, love that. I'd love to. We'll write that down, Claudia, because I do. Uh, I love to understand better. You know, my uh, my knowledge of communism has been uh, as much experiential as it has been uh, from books. But I want to. I do want to recommend another book. General Jerry Boykin always recommends this book. It's called A Naked Communist, Exposing Communism. And uh, it's supposed to be very readable. It's not very long, so I'd recommend that to all of you, too, especially maybe for your kids who don't really understand the dangers of communism. All right, uh, honey, uh, we have some uh, Facebook. On Facebook, Sandy Rios 24-7. We have a few comments here, too. We're, again, trying to resurrect that, and I'm encouraging people to go there and uh, I don't know what you do. I look. I've never been a big Facebooker, but uh, on the the morning show, we used to have a very thriving Facebook. We'd get fifteen thousand shares in a morning, but then they silenced us. They didn't like what I was saying. I don't understand that. Uh, but we're trying to resurrect it. So if you'd like to go there and I hope meet the uh, listening family and start talking to each other, that would be great. You mean you and Zuckerberg aren't on the same page we, I, about I things? Know. That, no, that shocks a, me. He's on page uh, 150, <laughs> or page 13, which is out of my book. <laughs> anyway, we did an interview with Nicole C. Mullen, the, um, the, the Christian artist, and this is a comment from PJ. Last I knew, Nicole was a very outspoken Democrat, so many Christian artists are, which I don't understand. Well, I think they're—I don't know if she's an outspoken Democrat or not. I wasn't even that familiar with Nicole before I interviewed her. We talked about the things of God, and she certainly is a born-again believer. But you have to understand—I know you do, PJ—that when you uh, become a Christian, it's a lifelong journey of understanding. You don't automatically change all your views on things. Uh, you don't. You conform your mind to the mind of Christ over a period of time. So, um, so I just I, so that they're not. It's not impossible to be an outspoken Democrat and a musical artist and a strong believer in Christ. Except there, there will be a journey. That doesn't mean she'll become a Republican. That's not what I'm inferring. But on the issues, the moral issues, uh, she will align herself with God's word. I'm I'm confident that she will if she's not there already. This is about our interview with the uh, FBI whistleblower, Steve Friend. Um, what an amazing podcast with Steve Friend. This was a standout interview. We're so very grateful for each truthful and enlightening show. You both are truly heroes to so many. You are the voice of information we can trust. We also appreciate your constant reminder that God is good and loves us, and nothing is a surprise to him. Nothing can touch us unless he allows it. Thank you both for your faithfulness and integrity. And that's from Nancy on Facebook. So isn't that sweet, wow. man? Sweet. Yeah. Very encouraging. Uh, really, the, the hero of that podcast was Steve Friend, not us. Yeah. He really, he's the FBI whistleblower who has really laid it on the line. Yep, exactly. All right, so I've got one more. Do you have, I've got several, but I think we're going to have to... Uh, we can't get to all of them because we're running out of time here. Yes, we are. Um, well, just a real quick one about January 6th because it's so important. Uh, Barbara writes, um, asking a question. Uh, she says, as of today, how many J6ers are still unlawfully being held in jails and prisons in our, quote, free country? And um, she goes on and says, I can't help considering you as an... Can't help but consider you as an old friend, Sandy, as one of your longtime fans of Sandy Rios in the Morning. Blessings to you and your husband and these great podcasts. So to go back to your question, Barbara, it, it's kind of hard to get an exact number. 
but we can give you a ballpark figure. There's been almost a thousand people that have been charged as a result of January 6th. And as far as sentencing, approximately 300 of them have been sentenced to jail time. And um, uh, over 100 have been sentenced to home detention. So that's 400 out of 1,000 already that have received jail time or detention. Um, and however, how many are still awaiting trial, I don't know, but there are several. Yes, there's a lot of them. We're keeping track of many of them. We've been meaning to do a January 6th update, and we are, are going to do that. I will mention that Daniel Goodwin, whose mother is a listener to my morning show, Marie, uh, was in the Capitol less than a minute, and he has been in a home confinement for the last about two years, and he just got sentenced to uh, something like 30 days in jail. So he's in. He's serving his time right now for being inside. The, there's a video of it. He does nothing. He does nothing. And so uh, these guys are being persecuted. In fact, the judges are actually finding out about these gifts and go pages. Not all of them are doing this, but a lot of them are, and finding out, claiming that these guys are trying to make money uh, out of their situation, and so are finding them sometimes the exact amount they have in their gifts and go account. It's it is really. Horrific. It continues. The persecution continues. I just heard in a meeting in D.C. Uh, this week uh, that the prosecutor, whose name is escaping me, I can't remember the one that's assigned to this, uh, he's, he's announced he's going to double the number of people uh, arrested. So they're, they're doubling down. And so if you were there on January 6th, you might get a, um, you might get a ring at your door. And if you do, by the way, uh, don't you don't have to answer it. You don't have to answer any questions. Uh, just tell them uh, you'll you'll talk through an attorney, and you'll have to do that because um, because they'll use whatever you say against you. So we, we can't trust them now. It's just a terrible situation. But Daniel Goodwin and his mom Marie, I'll tell you that, and so many others are suffering so much more. They're being moved around from jail to jail so that they can't form bonds like they had in the D.C. jail. It's they thought of everything. Trust me. So uh, it continues. Let's just say it continues. All right, well, this is a fun one for me. <laughs> this is a guy named uh, Dan, and this is what he says. Um, uh, forgive me for not being familiar with the availability of your music, but I was wondering if this song sung by you is online anywhere. I heard you sing it in a concert once when my brother Dave was running sound for you quite a few years back. Oh, yes, I'd say quite a few years back. Uh, and he, he says, is there any way I can find that song? Well, first of all, Dan, how, how fun to hear from you and to remember your brother Dave, who I do remember. It's been so many years. You know, I was a singer for many years. You can Look, I don't really have my uh, CDs online, and I need to change that. But there is, there is an exception. If you go to uh, sandyrios.com and you go to the page, the link, Sasha's song, there are two of my recordings on that page. So I don't know which song you're looking for, Dan, but that's one thing. I would say that the second song, the Sasha song, is the featured one because it's dedicated to my daughter, Sasha, who was, uh, died, uh, left us probably about 14 years ago. But the second one is the favorite, my favorite song of all time, I think, that I recorded. It's called He Is Able. He Is Able. Yeah, so uh, you can find those at sandyrios.com if you look hard enough. Dan, it's great to hear from you. Thank you. And one more, honey, one last one. What you got there? Okay, this is from Pam in Glen Allen, Virginia, our old stomping grounds. And uh, she's commenting on you uh, filling in for Bishop E.W. Jackson on his show. 
So obviously, it looks like Pam used to listen to you and has lost track of you once you went to podcasts, and now she heard you on E.W. Jackson. So just to just to say, we'd we'd love for you to pass the word to any of your your friends that have had the same situation where they were friends or they were listeners and uh, to the morning show and they have not made it to the podcast. Please help them. So anyway, here's what Pam had to say. Dear Sandy, what a huge blessing to hear your voice again live on AFR. I have greatly missed your passion for justice, the urgency in which you speak the truth, the amount of important content, uh, content you squeeze into less than an hour, your humility, your compassion, and your respect for courageous Christians and patriots, your strong connection with your listeners. I always dreaded the day when you would leave live AFA radio, but I was glad you could have relief from the daily exhausting intensity. Looking forward to more of your substituting. God bless you and Bruce always. Sincerely yours, Pam. Wow. Pam, that's beautiful. Thank you so much. And um, so if you want (laughs) to... Practically speaking, if you want a good way to listen to the podcast, go to sandyrios.com. The reason I say that, among other things, you can sign up for the mailing list there. That's a nice thing. And we will be communicating with you, not often, uh, but when we need to. Like right now, we're trying to communicate. Uh, we're getting ready to send out a, an, um, an email just to let you know that there's a little problem with Samsung Android phones with the AFR Talk app. So we're trying to help you navigate that. And that's why, in the meanwhile, I'm telling you to go to sandyrios.com because you could bypass that problem. So um, anyway, we do thank you for listening. Bruce, I have one more, one more thing for you. Since we're getting ready to go see our grandchildren in Vancouver, this reminded me of us. Oh, I thought you were going to say go to the bank and get a whole bunch of money. But, okay. <laughs> well, maybe we could. Yeah, but that's what my son used to think. Mom, we can't afford that, honey. Well, just go to the bank, Mommy, and get more money. Yeah, so that's what this reminds me of. A six-year-old was asked where his grandma lived. He said, oh, she lives at the airport. And when we want her, we, we just go get her. <laughs> then we're, we're done having her visit. We take her back to the airport. <laughs> so that's going to be us uh, yeah, shortly when we go to Vancouver. Listen, you all, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And uh, I hope you enjoyed this version of Sandy Rios 24-7.